Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to the 284th episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Kyle Barton of K. Barton Tools, and I'm here with my co-host, Sean Wisniewski of The Corner Workshop. Tonight, we're asking Steve first the five questions. So, welcome back to the show, Steve. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks, guys. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, first up, so how did you get into woodworking? Well, it was kind of interesting. I went to sort of an academic high school, and we didn't have a wood shop there, uh, but my buddies went to different high school and they were making things and um so i always kind of wanted to do that it's one thing to use your head but quite quite other to to you need to use your hands too sometimes and and i had an uncle uh, who was a uh, a finished carpenter and a cabinet maker and it was and we'd go over there quite a bit and my dad worked really really hard but he could never build anything square and my uncle could <laughs> and <it> was <laughs> I, I just remember my uncle just sort of looking at my dad's garage he built and just kind of shaking his head and sort of walking away, that kind of thing. But but in any case, uh, this uncle, I, I like going over to the shop and uh, started picking things up. And then uh, when I got out of college, uh, I decided I was going to go to night school and start building furniture. We didn't have very much at that point and uh, did that for a lot of years. And then uh, in the last 10 years or so, um, really been getting into hand tools chair making and uh, and lately been doing a couple of reproductions so uh, that's how i got there and i'm still doing it i guess yeah that's a good way to go with hand tools i tell you yeah exactly it is it is (laughs) so uh, sorry uh so (laughs) second question what is your favorite tool at this moment well, it's uh, it's clearly the draw knife. Uh, draw knife is a it's an amazing tool. It uh, if you get a nice sharp one and don't just get the one that's from the farm that's all rusted up and does. But if you get a good one and sharpen that up, you can do very very coarse work and hog things off, and you can do very very fine work like uh, uh, doing little bevels, chamfers. It's really really nice at uh, cutting on on end grain and. Um, People that know how to use them uh, really, really do some great work. So I, I just love it, Ron. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, what uh, what types and kinds do you have? Do you um, vintage or uh, new ones or what? Or a little of both? Yeah, I've got a little bit of each. Uh, the, yeah. uh, bar, bar out, I guess he's out in Oregon somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes a really nice uh, new one. I've got right. a couple of his. But uh, the old ones that uh, I, I make it a rule not to pay more than thirty bucks on them, and uh, it's getting a little harder. But Witherbees I do, and uh, the James Swans are the ones that I pick up if if I see them for less than thirty bucks. So, wow. and, and they're all over the place. So. Well, that's that's nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> around oh, here, absolutely. around here, it's uh, my thing is I will pay no more than a hundred dollars. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. it all comes down to you know yeah. the market, I guess, and but mm-hmm. specifically vintage. You know, what's what's the vintage market for for hand tools like that in in the Wisconsin general area? Oh, I don't know. There's a there's a group called the Midwest Tool Collectors, mm-hmm. uh, right? And 
they're they're all over the country, but uh, a couple of my friends are pretty serious in there. But I don't know. I've been going one of those things, and I've got pretty much all I want. Uh, but they they have a few sales. Uh, you don't really run out of any bargains unless you. Uh, I've got a buddy that hits garage sales all the time, and he he runs onto them, but. Uh, I don't have time to put into that stuff, but so yeah, it's okay. But I, I don't know that it's any better than anywhere else. So. Well, it's got to be better in Texas, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think New England's got it, yeah. and then and then everyone else hopes to to match that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I just recently, I my buddy uh, that I used to work with was written up by Woodcraft, and he uh, he he actually. From from my area, went to school at some school in southern Ohio, and found his his first job in a reproduction shop in New England, and yeah. he's doing like this true reproduction woodworking, and now works for Woodcraft and still does his own woodworking. And anyway, um, it's it's one of those things where like I I know when I've talked to him like oh yeah you know you could go you, you could. In, at a corner store, you could bump into some vintage tool. You know, it just they're everywhere because that was the epicenter of what it, what the first stuff was back then. Uh, it's just yeah. it's very interesting. But uh, yeah, just curious about that. Hmm. Well, um, so next up, um, who's influenced you the most in your woodworking? Well, there's a local guy here that um, uh, about ten or twelve years ago, I. I I want to do hand dovetails. So I go over to Woodcraft and there's a, a fellow there named Dick Christensen, who was a, a retired steel worker, iron worker. And uh, he really, really is good at sharpening. And really, before we even talked about dovetails, we got the chisels sharp and really showed me what one has done. And I think I, I consider him to be my mentor. When I really get into trouble, I call him up and mm-hmm. um, it's been really good good uh, a good resource for me so i give him the most credit but the chair makers uh that i've dealt with uh, uh certainly curtis buchanan dave sawyer pete gelbert uh don weber those guys are all all really really great and then i have a, i have also have a good friend who's uh, got a metal working or he's got a factory where he builds uh, aluminum tanks there and but he's a serious woodworker too and so between him uh, yeah we would work together, but then we also can make some tools and things. So uh, those are, those are the guys I looked up to. That's great. You're here. Yeah. I mean, the, your, your mentor, I mean, that's, that's uh, awesome to have somebody like that, that can, you know, be the guy to call when you're, when you're looking into it and, and to have somebody that's keen on sharpening. I love that. That was the focus of, of the beginning because having a keenly sharpened tool is, is oh, it's, it's truly yeah it's it's and i uh as i as i tell my wife like please don't press hard with that knife it, i'd rather it be sharp than dull mm-hmm. yes. because it, it, it works in in all aspects a cutting a cutting process if it's truly finely sharpened it's a better experience and that oh, and that man. makes everything easier or better you know depending on, on what you're doing but that's that's awesome that's that's very very cool i um in in my in my schooling i went through a, a uh, metallurgy class so i learned about 
grain structures of steels and and hardening and sharpening and and things like that. And that was just having that knowledge was eye opening. Uh, putting it into practice is a whole nother thing. That's fantastic. Yeah, it takes a bit. And uh, th- this fellow, I've, I've told Dick, and I, I've thought about it would be a good title for a book, you know, to because. Uh, there's so many people out there, I think, that are in their basements or their garage, and they're really, really good. And then this guy, I said, you, you got to do a book, you know, you got to get one. And uh, no, you know, he's, but he would be a good, good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got so many tricks and so many jigs, and and he's just pondering all the time. He says, you know, thinking about it. So anyway, that's uh, yeah. There, there's some great talent out there, so. Fantastic. So next question, what was your biggest stumbling block? Well, certainly dull tools, uh, (laughs) blades and that sort of thing. And then uh, trying to do everything with power tools was really uh, quite difficult um, for for quite a while. And then I always get into trouble. You know, I take so long on my projects that they hang around the shop and get beat up and then I got to fix them and that sort of thing. So if I could just get them in and out of the shop quickly, they would, they would survive better. I think so. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I went through that. So like I, I grew up with my dad doing power tool work and then I, I worked in, in, you know, framing and finishing. And so there's still a lot of power tools and it wasn't until I got into my house and I said, yeah, you know, I, I know how to use power tools, but I understand like I, I, I not it's not a danger necessarily, but it's the inaccuracy that could happen if you slip. <laughs> you know, with, right. it's way worse when you're running a, a, a an electrical saw as opposed to a handsaw, you know, or or a, a chisel, and you know, to back it off even more. Like, I think that's that's important to uh, to recognize. There's a there's a place for those things, and it's not always faster, but sometimes it is, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how you're doing it. Well, yeah. I think so. I think something like a champer on the edge of a table, uh, you can whack that out by hand so fast, and by the time you get a router and worry about the burns and all that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know. No, oh, ab- so, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Uh, yeah, uh, I I have to I have to use a router bit on some certain operations and it's just like okay this is going to burn and then i'm going to have to come back <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. what's well, the whole the yeah. whole uh the industry behind jig making yep. no offense kyle but yeah. is 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 based on how to how to control a machine right uh or, or a machining process maybe you're doing it with a with a you know brace and bit but still mm-hmm. It it is it's controlling a machine for accuracy purposes. Where you know, if I take a, a nice hand plane to the corner of of a thing that I need to put a chamfer on, it, even if I had to strike lines to meet those mat, those you know the exact chamfer, if I want to measure it, I can get it within millimeters quickly. Mm-hmm. by hand unless it's i mean unless you're doing an entire table which i totally understand a trim router at that point right. but <laughs> what it takes to set up a tool to do the same process is is you know arguably the you know, worse longer mm-hmm. maybe less accurate requires more after work you know, all the all of those things yeah exactly and uh you know 
And if you get Tara with hand tools, you can kind of hear it when it happens and feel it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you react to it much sooner. Exactly. I, you know, it's the Roy Underhill joke that you know my saws have flesh sense, sensing technology. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> you know yes. if, if your hand touches a sharp blade, you know it immediately, and you don't continue uh, with a machine. It might be too late. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, with that said, um, let's move on to the next question. So how has the uh, Internet influenced your work? Well, clearly, I mean, it's an amazing network. Uh, I, I think mostly just to see all the great things that's going on out there from uh, from a lot of obscure places you wouldn't normally. <laughs> and then uh, just making the connections to other makers and, and knowing about the events that are happening, I guess. Yeah, and exactly. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I mean, you know, like you said, you've been over to England to their uh, Bodgers Ball. And, uh, you know, without the Internet, just knowing that those things are going on and happening, you know, it's kind of unless you're in that community, which you're not going to be sitting over here in the States. So, um, yeah, it's it's really nice. And, yeah, it is nice to make uh, acquaintances and uh, strike up friendships with uh, uh, people all over the world, especially well, you as, like learn. you like you said, that you're making communities a rather small one, and uh, uh, but it is worldwide. <laughs> mm-hmm. Worldwide, and to be able to see some of the things on YouTube, you can fix anything on YouTube. Or build it. <laughs> and that's a, there's a lot of junk out there, but there's some real treasures too. So uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I was I was just talking about that recently. My my son drives my old car. It's a 2006 Saturn. And I noticed that he didn't have a reverse light when he was pulling out of the driveway. So you go through the normal operation of, you know, I, and I know enough. Oh, okay, bulbs, sure. Uh, it wasn't bulbs, fuses, sure. And it wasn't the fuse. Ah, crap. Uh, oh, oh, there's a mechanical switch in your manual transmission pre-2010 mm-hmm. that engages your reverse light when you throw it into reverse. That went bad. $25, easy to find, easy to install, but I had no idea that that existed, except for YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, it was it was phenomenal. I don't know how long it would have taken me to, to try to page through a manual to find that information. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I And I kind of doubt it's even in the manual. Mm-hmm. No, no. Yeah. Exactly right. And I do the same thing time something goes wrong with my car and truck it's like youtube yeah yeah and and in my case i got to teach my 16 year old new driver to truly kind of do a little fact finding research okay wait i gotta back up for a second so your son is driving a stick yeah is he like the only kid within the 500 mile radius that drives a stick yeah, and that that keeps coming up, but it's the stick that I drove that my wife can drive. Well, no, it's great. And, and, and yes, he yeah, I learned it on a stick myself. Yeah, he took his test with an automatic, but he yeah. got he came home and he is driving uh, my old stick, and so it is a fourteen-year-old uh, stick shift at this point, <laughs> um, and a Saturn at that point. So it's whatever percentage plastic. And uh, so far, so good. And he's he's owning it. I mean, he he absolutely drive. He drives to school every day. I, I and and that's the thing. Like that's the the millennium theft deterrent. You know, exactly. in, in air quotes. Like <laughs> you put a manual transmission on it because no one will know. Um, yeah. 
but no, yeah, he is he is one, and uh, I, I there's more than a few at school, I think. But, yeah, yeah uh, it, it is a rarity nowadays for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, that's great. That's great that he's got that. So, mm-hmm. well, with that, um, so uh, Steve, where can folks find you on the internet? Well, uh, us is one of the sites. Uh, the U.S. Badgers Bowl on Instagram and Steve underscore W.I.S. on Instagram. Fantastic. And Sean, what about you? You can find me at Sean W. 78 on most social medias that matter. And Kyle? Uh, you can always find me at Barton.Kyle on Instagram, the only social media platform that matters. And with that, that just about wraps it up for this show. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. Then you'll never miss any of our exciting episodes. And while you're there, please leave us a review. And thanks for listening to us on this Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. If you like the show, be sure to visit us at our website, modernwoodworkersassociation.com, or at MW, or follow the MWA on Twitter at MW, MWA underscore national, or on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast, or like us on Facebook. Really need to simplify that. Uh, the yes. best thing you can do is tell a friend. <laughs> Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion. So yeah. thank you, Steve, for uh, uh, being our guest. Uh, it was fantastic talking it to you. It was fantastic. Cool.